Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, a former Navy SEAL applies combat strategy to any size business. Call it leading from the middle. Forget what the org chart looks like. You have to get into the middle of the organization and become a conduit for communication. Often the biggest challenge for a leader is how to accomplish change, particularly at moments when things are at risk. Our next guest, Chris Fussell, is the managing partner of the McChrystal Group and author of One Mission, How Leaders Build a Team of Teams. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, I do a lot of work on organization change myself. I find that the approach you take in your book is very interesting. Describe for us how your view of leadership is different from maybe the way people traditionally think about leadership and managing an organization. Sure. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, the I think the big takeaway that we learned in the military, specifically in the special operations community, that translates over into industry today in the in the sort of the peak as we evolve into the information age, is how do we decentralize decision making down to those frontline elements that are closest to these fast changing problems. So that's that sounds nice on paper, and and it's a great theory that most people agree with now. But what we found uh, through trial and error, really, in a very organic evolution inside the special operations community was a system, a process approach to how you can establish communication models and modify leadership behavior structures inside the organization so that you really can accomplish that. I, I believe it's more than just theoretical. The whole team of teams model is built on implementing a similar system inside of enterprise that's interested in this sort of shift. Now, why do businesses need to adopt this more agile standard? Is uh, you, you can't just bark out orders anymore? No, it's a great question. And and the reality is, um, in the military, you never barked out orders in the first place. Like that, that leadership style doesn't work in industry or in the military um, to any great effect. Um, but I think that to, to your broader question, the the point that we often talk with corporate executives about is this isn't the fact that we're sort of uh, slowing down and having a harder time running organizations today. It's no one's fault. We still have these very well-built, purpose-built uh, bureaucratic models that have you know years of effectiveness out there in, in the corporate space. What's changed is the external environment. The inf information age has brought with it the connectivity of individual actors and formerly disparate networks to create these very large problems that can move fast in this chaotic manner. That's what we encountered in Al-Qaeda, and that's what industry is seeing in the fast-moving landscape externally, and their bureaucracy isn't designed to, to fight that. So in effect, if you're an industry and a new startup, a nimble startup comes into your industry, it can disrupt your industry, or if a social media misinformation attack occurs, what you're saying in effect is that these days, if you're a CEO, you, you can't just afford to rest on getting information. You actually have to practice strategy to gather information and delegate authority. That, that's exactly right. And those are great examples. And, and we'll often say in today's environment, your structure is your strategy. So if your structure is traditional hierarchical solely, then your strategy is going to ma map to that and be very systematic and uh, predictable and highly efficient, but not changing quickly. And to your example, uh, whether it's a startup or social media, the, the, the way those those problems like that have always, always existed, people talking about your product, small startups trying to take part of your market. 20 years ago, you could see them coming if you were the big industry and you could buy them, you could litigate them, you could manage the message from one disgruntled customer before it went viral. Well, now those things can, your product can be uh, negatively spoken about in the social media space before it's even on the shelf. And you don't have the systems in place to keep up with that. So that's that's similar to the problem we had where 
now suddenly these very, uh, you know, these extreme elements inside the, the, the global Al Qaeda network, they can connect and gain scale quicker than we can see them as a whole system. So who does see them? The people that are on the front line. So mm -hmm. they have to be empowered to, to move quickly. This sounds to me like this would be, would be just as applicable to a not-for-profit or social venture as a for-profit venture. I think it's th this model is applicable to, it's ubiquitous in my opinion. I mean, this is the reality that we're all living in right now is how is the information age undermining traditional systems that were built in, you know, really refined post-industrial uh, era mm -hmm. in the 20th century? And the rules of the game were just different then. So whether you're running a nonprofit, running a school system, deep inside of healthcare, anyone out there is experiencing some version of this where the landscape is changing. It's interesting. What I guess we're getting at is that technology, the ubiquitousness of information and, and technology becoming democratized has blown everything up. Give me some examples from your work with McChrystal, of, if you can, of a few of the companies that, that have faced changes where this approach actually has made a difference. Sure. Yeah, we've worked in a broad swath of industry from, from finance to technology to healthcare. Every Everyone has a different version of this uh, issue, uh, but there's a there there are a few great examples, case studies that that our folks that we've worked with have allowed us to use for one mission, the book that just came out. And so so one great example in there that I'm is near and dear because I got to know the leadership team there well is the work we did at Intuit under uh, the leadership of Brad Smith, our CEO. And Brad's a you know a well-known character in the in the in Silicon Valley, well established in technology, and he came to us and says. He said, look, I've, I've purpose-built over the last several years these verticals of excellence uh, between the different products I have, like QuickBooks and TurboTax, et cetera. I need to bring that under one whole brand called Intuit. I need to be able to communicate with my investors, communicate with my consumers as a single system, and that's not how they see us. And so our value is, is taking an impact because of that, because everyone external says, look, you have to be one-stop shopping in today's world, and you're not built like that. So we spent a year or so working with Brad and his senior leadership team of creating what we call in one mission, the aligning narrative, sort of a strategic top-down intent that the executives can then communicate to all these different verticals and say, look, here's the, here's the bigger one thing, the one mission we all need to become part of, and then we can build process around communication and decision-making under that. It took about a year. Brad's team was, was outstanding in, their, in the work they did there, and it really did change the corporate culture of, of Intuit for the better and was recognized by their analysts, by their consumers as the right move. I enjoyed your book a lot, One Mission. And one of the things I took away was this, it was good training for me as, as a leader, the idea of service leadership. Can you touch on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, that, that concept, being a servant leader, the humility required to, to lead in complex environments, I mean, that, that's not new. And I think great leaders throughout, the his, throughout history have represented that quite well, from social movements to political leaders and industry as well. I, I believe the change that we're experiencing now, though, makes, makes it mandatory for leaders to start to adapt that, that sort of approach because the traditional top-down corner office, I'm going to fence myself off with a well-trained staff from the, from the actual realities of the organization or what's going on the ground and just sit in, my, in my, the top floor of our, our building and think deeply about long-term issues, that, that paradigm is gone, right? So leaders need to get into the middle of the organization. I, call it leading from the middle. Forget what the org chart looks like. You have to get into the middle of the organization and become a conduit for communication. And if you do that, you have to present yourself as a true servant leader to the enterprise, recognizing that those folks on the front line, whether it's your sales team, a special operations unit, whatever the case may be, those that are closest to these fast changing problems 
their life is really complex right now, and things are moving so quickly that you have to have a, a connection and a level of empathy with what is going on in their world if you want to be able to develop true trust-based relationships and be able to move the whole enterprise as, a, as if it were a small team. I really love it. Chris, before I let you go, if people want to learn more about McChrystal Group or what you guys can do, where do they find more information? Sure. Well, we're, we're, we're based here locally in Old Town Alexandria of our office there. We have a our team is distributed around the globe on any given week working in industry, but we love uh, meeting with and working with folk, folks in the Beltway uh, that are that are wrestling with these sorts of issues. So they can hop online, McChrystal Group, go to our website. Uh, our books are available there or any, any of the big uh, distributors as well. And uh, yeah, give us a chat. We'd love to have a conversation with anybody's interested in this sort of thinking. Well, Chris, I love it when I see entrepreneurial activity here in D.C. having an effect around the globe. Thanks for coming and joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. And a huge thank you to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. Please get in touch with us for sponsorship opportunities. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and please rate the podcast. This helps us spread the word about the interesting stories we're telling on what's working in Washington. And let us know who you think we should be talking to on this show. Tweet us at, at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>